In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Hello and welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley and my podcast friend... I'm going to keep it easy. This is the first one of the new year, Travis. So you're my podcast friend. Travis Rats. Travis Rats <laughs> is my podcast friend. Switch it up. Uh, we are, we are uh, Comic Exposure, not Comic Exposure. Uh, we are a podcast, and we bring on guests, and we talk about trades and graphic novels. Uh, sometimes we just bullshit about stuff. But today is a graphic novel day, and we, or I guess a trade today. Uh, and we're going to talk about The Unwritten from Vertigo Comics, written by Mike Carey and drawn by Peter Gross. Right. And this was something that was... Um Suggested to us by a uh, listener on our uh, website forum, Michael. I was going to ask you where you got this suggestion from. Yeah, Michael on our website forum had uh, left a message saying that um, this is a book that we need to check out because of its references to Harry Potter and uh, Moby Dick at the same time. And like so a then Dick I, yeah, right? a Harry Dick reference is great <laughs> to have on a podcast. Um, and so yeah, I looked up the um, the summary and I was like, ooh, this is really great. And also, I think that. Uh, you know, we originally started this podcast because we wanted to uh, open up the world of comics to everyone. We wanted, we wanted to expose yeah. people to comics? The, the truest forms of this podcast are when we get someone on the show who does not has not dipped their toes into the world of comics. Yeah. And I think coming back, to first episode of 2016, I think we got a really good guest. And I think we have a really interesting comic to pair with this guest. Um, and and one, that, one that you or I were exposed to you know what i mean like we didn't have i didn't have any, i didn't know about this book i don't know about no this book. I, yeah i didn't i didn't and it's and it's got like 11 volumes of it yeah so this is it was really under the radar um so we'll talk about that a little bit more also about mike carrie and peter gross but I, I do want to take a moment to introduce our guests uh we have with us today uh carrie richardson is our guest today uh she is a sci-fi and fantasy fan oh there we go but has not mainline comics yet so this i i don't think i don't think so we're, the, the question we always ask carrie you can say hello hi good Excellent. First step. This is also the first podcast. There we go. I'm winning. Um, and the first, the first question we always ask our guests before we start talking about the book is: uh, up until this point, what has been your exposure to comic books? Um, it's kind of been secondhand. Uh, my husband uh, is a big comic book fan. We have a whole uh, room dedicated to comics, but I personally did not grow up with comics. So, is it because you're a girl? Oh, is it because you're sexist? Because <laughs> I'm glad there's a girl out here to call we've you got, We've got about 35 <laughs> episodes that will back her up on this. Um, no, so when you, when, you, when you were growing up, there wasn't comic books around the house. Uh, and then you started uh, dating your now husband. Was this something that um, – as, as – uh, is this something that he hid from you for a while, or was it on Front Street from the beginning? Like, day one, it was like, here's my living room, and that's my, uh, <laughs> my, Wolverine, my Star Wars five. poster. <laughs> or how did he play? Did he play it cool? Or was he, or like, ah, uh, yeah, you know what? This Avengers movie could be kind of cool. Or was he, was he, um, like, straight off nerd train from the beginning? Um, I mean, I don't think first date entailed comic book talk, but... It didn't take too long. I don't think he tried to hide it. But mm. um, when it was brought up, 
he, he geeked out a little bit. So okay, all right. Yeah. Now you, I know, I stress this comic for you. We scoot a little closer to the mic here. Just pop your chair up. Or if you want to hold it, you can hold it. Whatever works for you. It. I'll just okay. scoot up. She's a soft spoken lady. She's, she's, yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. Perfect. Better? Yeah. So when we talk about um uh uh this this comic, <clears throat> so I read the description of the comic, which I'm gonna read for you now in lieu of our uh uh like, two minute summary. Because okay. I think the description is really well. So this is what I read, and then I immediately thought of uh Carrie as a, a good guest for this podcast. <clears throat> Tommy Taylor is the main character in this series of fantasy novels that have become a cultural phenomenon. Fans gather on websites and at conventions to celebrate his magical stories and hope that his missing creator, Wilson Taylor, will someday resurface to write one last adventure. But there's one dangling plot thread. The real Tommy Taylor, the son of Wilson abandoned. Wait, the real Tommy T- Tom Taylor, the son Wilson abandoned. Their inspiration for the magical boy wizard, Tom is now worshipped worldwide as a literary legend made flesh. As Tom's life begins to make an eerie and deadly parallels with Tommy, Tommy, he's drawn into a strange literary underworld. What's tough to say? Where the power of storytelling is as strong as any spell. So, once wizards and like this whole Harry Potter mm-hmm. uh, verse came up, I was like, "Ooh, I think I got the perfect guest." Now, Carrie, you're a Harry Potter fan, correct? I am a Harry Potter fan. When did you start reading the books? Um, I think I was in middle school when I started. I got really into them in high school. Is that when they first came out when you were in middle school or are they they a couple books into it by that point? Yeah. Well, my sister started reading them first. Mm. She was older. So it took me a little while to get into them. But once I started, I kind of couldn't stop. So Right. Now, and then you, I'm assuming, consumed all the movies and everything. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so the idea is, I, I saw this, and I knew how much of a uh, Harry Potter fan she was, so I was like, oh, this could be really good. Now on this podcast, neither I nor Josh read the comics before we suggest them to guests, so it's always kind of a crapshoot where you're like, this yeah. could be great for this person, and then you're also like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them a homework assignment, <laughs> and then force them to drive over to my house for a podcast, <laughs> and they might be like, this is the worst book ever. <sighs> So, uh, uh, Josh, you, yeah. you you heard the synopsis. You obviously read the synopsis yeah. when I sent it to you from uh, Michael on the forum. So what was your initial take on the uh, the premise of the book? I, I, too, read all the Harry Potter books, but I probably read them a little later, um, kind of after when the kind of big Harry Potterness kind of hit everything. Uh, but I've seen all the movies. I read the books. I think I, I read the last book when it came out. And like, I think it came out in, what, 2006 or seven or something like that? Like, the yeah, last the one last came one, out then? Yeah. Uh, and I read it in like literally a day, so I got it. And I kind of read it all night. Then I went to sleep, and then I got up and finished it really quick. Those are thick books too. Yeah, it's a big. It was that last one was huge. Like you could, it's like War and Peace. You could kill someone with it. Um, but I, I, you know, I read all of them, and I, the idea to me seemed like a kind of a, a really interesting idea. I think it's a, it's a fun kind of thing to play with. I think. I, I kind of enjoy when authors jump into the uh, let's bring literary tales to life, right? Like I think that's kind of a cool concept, something you know interesting right. to do, because uh, we know characters from books, and so to bring them into life and to see how they would interact with real stuff, I think is kind of a, a cool experiment, kind of to, to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty excited to read it, and uh, I got it, and I read it right away. Uh, so I had to reread it again uh, before we did the podcast. I kind of. Right. Made my way through it again. No, I was really excited to get this book. Uh, uh, Carrie, you know, one of the one of the main uh, kind of undercur- undercurrents of this book is the idea of um, this f- 
parallel Harry, Harry Potter story and all this huge fan base it has. Uh, and then when we look at, you know, our world, our real world of Harry Potter, uh, there's just such a strong connection to these books of all generations. What do you think is one of the uh, key ingredients in these these novels like Harry Potter or you can even include in like Narnia and that type these type of series? Well, both with Harry Potter. What is about Harry Potter that you think draws such a wide, diverse crowd? Like why why is this the phenomenon that is just Harry Potter itself? Well, I mean, I think everyone wants to believe in magic and Harry Potter starts off as a kid who doesn't think he's really special or worth anything and then turns out he's like one of the strongest magicians to ever live, you know? Right. Um, and I think people want to relate to that not only because they want to believe in magic but also because it is kind of an underdog story, you know? And right. It's it's something that if you grow up reading it, you grow up with those characters, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that the whole idea of this parallel world that Harry Potter has, you're right. The idea of that, as, especially as kids, like you're, when you're like six to ten, like you're ripe for believing in magic. Like the idea mm-hmm. of someone tells you like, oh, yeah. there's wizards. Like what? This is, this, I mean, mm-hmm. even like you can think of something like Fantasia when the mop's like floating around. You're like, I dig it. This is the mop. <laughs> I dig it. Um, by the way, I bought a mop today. I still think it's better than any Swiffer. Cleaner up because well, it actually it actually up. works. Yeah, it actually yeah. works. It's a, it's a bitch the ring out though. Yeah, but anyway, but you're gonna get sweet like Popeye forearms. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly out. what I want the mop for. <laughs> Popeye forearms. Um, and the idea that um, this parallel universe exists, <clears throat> they don't. Harry Potter does a really good job of. They bring the ma- the real the magic into the real world sometimes, I believe, in the yeah. books. Like it crosses over from the Hogwarts uh, to the real world, but mostly it takes place in this kind of like parallel part of the world Hogwarts I don't know this is a horrible way of describing it but the idea here's looking at me right now she's like those are the wrong words to describe what a Hogwarts no, is no no you can okay. enter and exit yeah, yeah. platform nine and three quarters so. exactly um, and I, I think that um, the idea of that there are these hidden doors in our in our reality and these uh, hidden entrances and exits are something that are a trope that's used in literature and, and fiction a lot. And there's something very appealing about these these hidden, like, secret garden it's passageways. A, it's, a, it's a big part of Narnia, too, right? right? Like, that I'm going to walk through a closet, and then, boom, I'm in, like, a whole other place, right? right. So it's, it's something that's used a lot. And I think, like, one of, the, one of the big things I think draws people to a story like Harry Potter is, I think we all aspire to... Like, we want someone to pick us out and tell us we're special, yeah, right? You're special, and yeah. so this kid who's not special gets told, no, dude, you're the specialist, right? Yeah. Like, yes. you, you are, you're the guy, right? You're, yeah. the, you're the wizard supreme. And I think all of us have that kind of desire to be told, especially, especially when, you, when you're a kid and you read something like that. Like, you're like, man, it's super boring to sit in my room and do my homework. But if an owl would deliver a letter and tell me, like, I'm the shit and I should go to wizard school I, that's a way better letter you are the shit go to wizard school right, right. Like, right, it's like right. the same idea with like uh the never-ending story right like yeah. a kid a nerd kid who gets picked on finds a book oh, yeah, and yeah. gets sucked into the book mm-hmm. yeah never-ending story has really great parallels to this yeah. with the idea of storytelling being a really powerful tool yeah all right so uh harry potter talk aside i'm sure it's going to come up again initial impressions uh, Kara, let's go to you. So initial impressions. I, I, I gave you the book. I gave you this homework assignment. Uh, as I was reading it, I couldn't help uh, but reading it and be like, oh, I don't know if she's going to like this. And I get to that part, I'm like, oh, she might like this part. I'm like, oh, I don't know if she's going to like this part. So what were your, what were your initial, what was your initial 
reaction as you started the book and how to kind of end up your, your initial reaction at the end. So obviously when you started and you had told me when you gave me my homework assignment mm-hmm. that it was catered to me, um, because of the Harry Potter right. and everything. So, um, obviously, I mean, it starts out with the comic book of Tommy Taylor and he, I mean, it's exactly almost, I mean, the allusions to Harry Potter could not be more obvious. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a kid with dark hair and glasses and he has a boy and a girl friend that are his sidekicks and a mark on his hand that, you know. Yeah, someone's starts, getting sued. As I was reading that first I page, know, I was like, like, mm-hmm. like wow. <laughs> um, but it kind of, it needs to make that, you know, association with Harry Potter so that you understand, you know, the world that they're talking about that this Tommy Taylor character is as important to them as Harry Potter is to us. You know what right. I mean? So, um, obviously it starts out and I completely understand why you chose it for me, but then the more it goes on, it's kind of these other stories entangled in it where there's a lot of like literary references and it, it turns into this whole other thing. Um, but I liked it. I yeah. liked that it, it was more than what I expected it to be. And that's, I think in, that's kind of the rub with this. Cause as I was getting into it, I thought it was the way it was described to me, the way I read it, I thought that, that kind of Harry Potter reference was going to be the main through yeah. line throughout mm-hmm. the entire series, right. not just the book. And when you open up those first pages and you see the caricatures of uh, yeah. Harry Potter, you're like, oh, this is exactly what yeah. I thought it would be. And then you're right, Carrie. It, it, it takes a, a real kind of like U-turn and then it opens up this whole universe. So it's like, oh, Harry, Harry Potter is just the vehicle into this world. Yeah. And then it's take all of literature and we're going to bring in all these literary references but at the same time keeping keeping that Harry Potter world really close because it is built on that Tommy Taylor parallel yeah I, I even think even in the book they make mention of Harry Potter don't they there's like they one real quick it's, thing it's yeah. early on yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 it's, they're very self aware like, yeah. like, <laughs> Harry, Harry Potter didn't catch on which I thought was did. interesting <laughs> yeah. because of the idea that they're going to reference Harry Potter I'm like oh wait so in this fictional world of yeah. Tommy Taylor Harry Potter exists but it's and a, they still allow this book to happen <laughs> like tommy taylor is the much better version of harry potter yeah yeah, yeah. it's like it's like the the like uh, harry potter is the poor man's yeah <laughs> like the yeah. gobots as opposed <laughs> to the transformers, <laughs> transformers. Yeah. I, you know those are kind of the parts i like the best were the way the book opened up and it was kind of like prose and comic book kind of mixed together it does that a couple times throughout the throughout the comic and i throughout this this volume and i thought those were some of the best beats mm-hmm. of the book is when it did that I think it did it well, and I kind of liked. I found a lot of humor and a lot of like, well, that's fun to kind of poke fun at that yeah. world a little bit. Like, I don't have an owl; I have a flying cat, and there's all these like little, these little like pokes at the Harry Potter world. Right, right. Um, and that was like a really, a really kind of interesting way to kind of get you into this idea that there are that those story, like all stories, have some sort of impact on the exactly. World. And I, you know, ironically, <clears throat> even though they were trying to kind of do like a parody of it, yeah. The idea is, I want to read some of those stories right? that were in the beginning of it, like the trumpet. I'm like, that's a great. You get, it plays like the sixth or seventh yeah. note, and then the doorknob. You put in, you put the doorknob in, and it opens up these yeah. parallel dimensions. I'm like, these are great. Can I read this? Just this story? I know, right? That reminded me of like, uh, <clears throat> remember on Beetlejuice when you draw I was the just going to say yeah. Beetlejuice when they had to draw on the chalk. <laughs> yeah, you that's draw exactly the door what I thought of it. Like, yeah. Oh, look, I'm in the world of the dead. And even, yeah. even in it, it's like he draws it on on brick, which is what happens in Beetlejuice. In Beetlejuice. Like, Man, there's so yeah. many references. I'm like, so like oh my little... God. Are people in Hollywood yeah. reading this? Because there's so many lawsuits available of this. Just like, <laughs> done, 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 done. But I think that, I think the idea of ripping off 
other uh, story tropes is kind of a theme in the story in itself. The idea that it's, yeah. all, all art exists from this kind of giant pool of thought, and then the, the authors are the ones who pull from this and twist it and things like that. So initial responses, I also had a, a, a uh, uh, initial – here's – I like the beginning stuff when I started reading it, the, the references to Harry Potter. And then there was a long stretch – where it was kind of Tommy dealing with the the backlash of being famous that I was like, okay, I get it, but like, what's happening here? I I have a really hard time being patient with exposition, and uh, I'm like, just I, why isn't why isn't this grab my attention yet? So, um, Josh, we haven't. We, you said you kind of liked it, but what what's the point? What was the make or break point for you in this story? As far as you stepped over the line from being like okay to really liking it, or being okay to yeah, so so. I, th- I think and, and like my my entire thought of it, it is um, I liked. I think I like the concept more than the execution. If that makes sense, I like the idea of it more more than more than the whole thing of itself. And not not to say that it, it was bad and I didn't get enjoyment out of it. I think it spends a lot of time in those middle sections, like introducing you to who Tommy is. And I think that that's a good idea. I like the idea of like you're spending some time figuring out this character, but at the same time, it turns into a horror story for like a comic book or two, like two an issue or two. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I like that. I didn't like the the scene where they go to his dad's, like the place he used to live at, like the. The mansion or whatever. That's my favorite part of the whole really? book, man. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. A, that was the one part. Well, I thought some part of it was funny, but I was like, why is it a horror story right now? And then it totally leaves that genre and goes into like telling you about, uh, oh man, what's his name? The author at the end. Uh, uh, Wilson. Oh, oh no! Oh, oh um, Kipling. 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 Yeah. yeah, like it goes into Rudyard Kipling. That's my second favorite but part I, of the book. I like that. I like <laughs> that, I that part yeah, too. Yeah. I like that part. Yeah. But I, that last, the issue right before that, where it's like it turns into scream. Oh god! That's the I, I love Mr. That's the part I didn't like. Mr. Pullman should have a spinoff series <laughs> where it's <laughs> just him. Like it's just a, it's just him. All right, so I knew that you would like Pullman. Oh, he's like so good. He's like he has the best literary puns there are available, and I've marked all of them in this book with tabs. You have. A, you have a different jump on this than I do because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm an economics teacher, right? Right. So I don't sit in literature, so I know. You're just like I can't believe I spent fourteen ninety five for this book. <laughs> no, I, I could have gotten this much money. <laughs> I would, I wouldn't say that at all. I would, say, I would say that like I enjoyed the. I think this is something that it's eleven volumes, right? And right. so there's this is just a lot of world building at the beginning of it, and I'm okay with that. But I think that there were some things where I'm like, I don't. Some things that I enjoyed, but the other things that kind of took me out of it, and then I was kind of like, where is, where is this going, right? So you don't really get an understanding of where it goes until the very last issue. Right. And then at that part, I, and then at that point, I was like, well, this isn't what I expected it to be. Right. Well, this, this book definitely raises more questions than it answers yeah. in the first volume. So, Carrie, um, <clears throat> aside, you know, you said you liked uh, coming into it, you liked the. Um, I'm talking in the back of the microphone. That would help if I talked in the front. Maybe. Guys, it's been like a month since we've done this podcast. <laughs> um, Just a little rusty. You said that um, uh, you really enjoyed like the opening, like the the Harry Potter world of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that, what was kind of the same question that I asked Josh? What was kind of like the make or break point for you for where you went from like, <clears throat> okay, I get the story and it's okay, or to I get the story and like, I like it. I would continue reading more. Was there kind of a, a storyline in here or like a mini adventure they had in there that kind of that became where the homework assignment left? And you're like, okay, I really want to figure out what happens next. 
Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think when he starts, like, because Tom, like, like not Tommy, the the comic book character, but like when Tom, because he's not a very engaging character mm. at at first, and even throughout, I actually didn't, you know, he's kind he of didn't a jerk. He's he a didn't douche. bring a lot to yeah. it, yeah. but um, I think in the later volumes, I'm sure he will because you know. You just need some some character. It would be but, nice, helpful to like the main character of the story. Right, and it's not that I disliked him. It's just like I would like the Tommy comic book character a lot more, probably. Um, but it's just once it started becoming more love, like an issue of him realizing that, you know, his fame and all of that was... It could have been for, you know, for a reason and not just like so that he could make some money making, you know, doing panels that didn't mean anything to right. him. Um, because and they and they make a lot of excuses for why he um, and a lot of references to like him possibly um, being, you know, they, they relate him to Adam a lot, mm-hmm. even in the beginning before the whole Frankenstein mm-hmm. and all that stuff comes into it, you know, and and the Paradise Lost and all that, but um, when he has, like, I forget what they call it, but, the, like, a, a Tommy, um, uh, I don't know, a cult or whatever. Yeah, the, the like, Tommy the crazy cult. Yeah, guy yeah, yeah. talking <laughs> about how he really is, like, you know, the Messiah and all this stuff. And I think I, I started getting that it was more of a story about literature and all of that, you know, how it, it can relate to... Um, to real life and some of it is real you know because um, that's you, you kind of wait a little while to get to the, the meat of it and that's right. what it is is yeah. that the literature is is part of real life and we've been using it as propaganda and all this stuff for so long and we don't even realize it right you know? no you just nailed why I love this book and why yeah. as I was reading I was I, I just the more I got along once I realized exactly what you said I got I had the biggest smile on my face reading it and it, it happened when you get to lines like the first time I realized it is when Tommy is fighting in the real world <clears throat> the, this crazy version of his fictional enemy which is Count Ambrosio so uh, we don't know if it's the real Count Ambrosio or a fictional version come to life or just some crazy fans kind of left mm-hmm. up in the air but he's fighting this Ambrosio character um, and Tommy says to Ambrosio he says it's a story it's just a story man it's not worth dying for and Ambrosio says, just a story. Um, tell that to the Greeks who fought in Troy, Tommy. Tell the women burned as witches. T- uh, the Rosenbergs, uh, the Sacco, the uh, Vanzetti. Tell the martyrs of all the religions and millions who fell in all the wars since time began. Stories are the only thing worth dying for. And I was like, I got kind of goosebumps. I was like, I mean, that's such a... He does it in a villain way as he's trying to kill him, but like... What a weird villain speech. Like, this villain is, like, loves stories. But then I, I realized once that line came, as, as Carrie was saying, I go, oh, my God. The, the, Mike Carey, the author of this, he, he's making a, a message about the power of stories and how they can then themselves be used for good or evil. As prop, you use the term propaganda, that's a perfect mm-hmm. term for it. Because as we see, as, we, as the story goes on, that seems to be where the story is going. The use of stories as propaganda and, and um, almost like political um, uh, persuasion. And, and um, really, the, 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 one of the things I took away from the sto- this story 
is something that I've always thought and kind of based my life around as a, as a lit major and an English teacher is the idea that these things are important. What people have to say is important. These so-called make-believe worlds, whether if, whether if they are as seemingly silly as Harry Potter and fun as Harry Potter or something like Moby Dick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're important and they have power within themselves more so than any weapon. Uh, and I think that uh, that once I realized that in the story, like I, I would, I was, I get a little goosebumps reading it, and I look for those lines where they talk about the power of story in there. So, yeah, you, th- that's exactly what I liked as well. Uh, so let's talk about um, um, the uh, the characters. You mentioned Tommy as being kind of like not unlikable, but kind of vanilla. Yeah, and you don't you don't like feel like you're behind him 100 mm-hmm. percent most of the time because there's you know. It's like he's still so resistant to all of it, and you know he just—it's like he just wants to be normal, which is kind of like what we were talking about. It's it's um, the opposite of what me as a child would want. You right, know, it's right. like he just wants to be normal, and he doesn't want to believe that he his life could mean more than just being the basis of a character for something instead of being the character in this epic. Right. Story, yeah. You know? Which is hard. Which is maybe what kind of makes him a little unlikable because, as us, we'd be like, "Are you kidding me? You're I know. so I'm lucky." To be you. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, "I just want to be normal." Yeah. You know. And you're like, "Oh, yeah. don't be a loser, dude." I know. I, th- I think. I think. Like I, the part I like the story. Like I said, up until they get to the house, and then that one that one issue where it turns into like the Pullman horror story. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I don't, I don't like it. And then it got back to the where the last issue where it kind of talks about it goes through the whole Rudyard Kipling thing. I'm like, okay, I'm back in. Right. But that one issue, that one issue took me right out of the, like I was like up, I would like the scene that you were just talking about where he meets his, uh, his the villain right Ambrosio. I'm like, that's really cool. Like even if it's just a dude who's dressed up like him, like that someone's that obsessed that they would go through the point of like doing that I found that interesting mm-hmm. and then I'm like oh now he's gonna try to find out where his dad was and find a little more stuff and then they get to the house I'm like oh he sees the little mark on his hand this is going somewhere but then like the dark shadowy group sends a dude to kill everybody no see I, I disagree that's the part I didn't like. I disagree well I mean I, mean, I, I can't disagree with you liking <laughs> it or not but um, I think that that's where I really started to like it first of all um, it's really cool how they tied in that that house that Mary Shelley and Lord mm-hmm. Byron sat no. and watched Frankenstein, and I love the people in the the, the writers' workshop, the characters. And I, and I think I think that I was okay with all like all that was. There were some funny bits, and that was good. And I think it's really just the dude running around killing everybody that I was like, he had a Sith, bro. Th- that's the, <laughs> that's the like. It seems so disconnected from everything up to that point, right? Like it didn't seem like that story. Until then, and then I, so I'm, I'm confused as to what I'm, what the story is. Right? I thought it, I thought it gave it the stakes that I wanted. The okay. book had stakes at that point when we see it with his kind of like uh, pseudo battle with maybe the villain fictional mm-hmm. uh, the Ambrosia character. Yeah. There's some stakes there. Oh, maybe Kate, Tommy, but I like how that whole mansion scene kind of forces it into this. Um, you know, this is kind of like do or die. Like, there's no more room for like I'm half in, half out. Like, there are people dying in really brutal, violent ways. And there, as I was reading that, and we could talk about the art in here in a little bit. 
I thought the scene really creeped me out. Like yeah. with the, 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 the colors in there and the darkness and, and the creepiness of it all. The people, there are people tied to clocks and people cutting their throats. I love it. Got to be that... hard, Josh. <laughs> well, that's weird. Okay. That's weird. Um, yeah, so what do you think about that scene, uh, Carrie? Oh, um, please so side with me. Please side with I, me. Well, I I kind of was on the same page as, as Josh. Like at first, I didn't really get why all of a sudden it was turning into like horror, actual horror with a guy running around like he's deaf. That's it. And, um, but then I kind of got it more because Tommy and the girl who I, I think is Sue, but she's, what's her name? Yeah, Lizzie Sue Sparrow. Oh, no, she's, um, she is Lizzie uh, Hexum and okay. she's. But I think that she's actually. Possibly, yeah, Sue yeah. Sparrow. So when they go into that door, like they use the mm-hmm. magical doorknob, it's like they're separate. Like they're in that other world kind of while this is all going on. And, it, I mean, there's obviously, there's no spoilers, right? So I know yeah, no, 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 no. Right? Okay. So when they come out, and it's like they, they talk about it toward the end, how they, whoever it is, it's, you know, I, I don't know what they call themselves, but the people who are kind of running everything and telling, like, writers what to write, sort of. and Yeah, yeah. Right? The, yeah. So they say that they break people down. And they discredit them before doing anything. So I think that was their way of discrediting Tommy. You know, like right. when he comes out of that, he has no idea, but it looks like he killed everyone. So right. yeah. every, no one's going to think that he's actually, you know, the hero of these comic books anymore. They're just going to think he's some crazy dude who yeah, went on a, yeah, ruining his life. Page, and that yeah. way they don't have to worry about him. The same way they did in the end with Oscar Wilde, where they got him accused of sodomy. Yeah. Although that dude was totally sodomizing the other guy. Like, <laughs> that was, it was, yeah, but it was kind of a dick move I mean, to like turn him in for it, you right. know? Yeah. Um, I get it, Josh. I, dick move. I like. I get the. I get the point it plays, but I. I just. I just couldn't. It just took me out of the story. Like it felt like one story, and then when that happened, it right, just felt it like something different. different. Yeah. Um. I, I like. I said. I like the overall idea of it. I think it's a really cool concept. Um. And I'm like tempted to go. Yeah. I need to read more because I want to see what happens with it. But I don't want to read more if it's like chopping people's heads off and, and stuff. That's the part that took me out of it. Like right. he picks up the old lady's severed head. The head, yeah. Right? yeah. That was like, yeah. Who's gonna? He makes up- them like he's talking about the Medusa reference know, and like but- fear and like what fear really is. Oh man! No, but like Tommy picks it up. Tom doesn't Tommy pick up? No, head? no, 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 no. Well, he throws Mr. it to him. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But he even says it. He even says it here. He makes fun of like the the fact that he's going around killing. Um, he, he, he's uh, on one of the pages here. Which is the number of pages? With the girl when he slashes the girl. Yes. I can't find that because he goes, I know what he says is like this girl's like, running for her life, hiding behind curtains, like you would see in a scary movie. He goes, you know, uh, Mr. Pullman says, you know what's really guiding you, controlling you, pushing you on? Genre conventions. <laughs> and then he just like slices her in half with the Sith. It's just like it's it's almost meta. It's very meta. Yeah, like yeah, like he is, is meta. Yeah, of, yeah. Like, and I, I feel like doing. maybe maybe that's what happens. Is like this is the horror genre of, of what's Ooh, that's of, interesting. Like, you know I mean? like if they went different genres like, in different here's books, the Stephen King portion of yeah. like storytelling. You know, right. He, yeah. He yeah. Plays it out that way. That was just the only part. I, I think the rest of it was good. I kind of like the. I kind of like where it's going. Just that one part just took me out of it. And 
I'm a weirdo, but that that's the one thing. Oh, yeah. Like, mm. You're entitled to your shitty opinion. Um, <laughs> so the, let's talk about that, the idea of bringing in multiple genres in here. Because okay. it looks like where this story is go- going is uh, it kind of ends with the climax of, as Carrie said, of, uh, of uh, Tommy being almost framed for this slaughter that happens in this house. Mm-hmm. But in this house, with the um, Lizzie character, they find this map. And this, his father has been talking, has taught him about literary geography. Uh, all the, the, the places that exist in books, but where they are in the real world. And so he has this map, and there's a note that says, Tommy, remember what I taught you. Uh, and which is basically literary geography has always taught him. So, um, what do you, you, when you said that idea of maybe this is the slasher part of it. Yeah. Uh, do you think that going forward, is it, is it, you think the series is just going to be Tommy going into different literary worlds? Uh, and then maybe, that actual style of writing, whether it be horror or fantasy or romance, being the kind of guiding tone of the book, I'm I, I'm curious. I think that'd be kind of a cool convention to kind of follow through. Like we're talking about this, like we're in this kind of fictional. We're talking about this author, so the story that happens around him would be reflective of that author. And that'd be a cool thing to do. But I don't know. I don't know where the story goes. Right? It doesn't give me a whole lot of hints to where it's going, except for he's got a map. And he's going to follow it somewhere. You know what I mean? So, it, like, it's a road trip for the next... Is it a road trip for the next 10 volumes? Like, he's right. trying yeah, to yeah, figure yeah. out. And I'm still not exactly sure what he's trying to find, if that makes sense. Just his dad? Yeah, what's his motivation is lacking in this book, I think. What's Tommy's kind of, like... Uh, yeah. It seems like everybody has a motivation for him. Like, I don't even know why... Like, what's uh, Lizzie's... Like, she's like, no, you're him. You're him. Yeah. But why? But why is she saying that... What can he save or fix? I don't know yet. Right. You know? Yeah, other than his dad being missing and and no one really knowing what happened there. And also, I mean, it comes a little bit more clear toward the end that there's some power that is controlling all of these things within, you know, our culture as far as what we read and what, you know, we believe and all that stuff. So I don't know if it's going to be a story about, like, overcoming that and, you know taking down these people that have been manipulating the world for so long through mm-hmm. literature. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it's, I, I agree. It's kind of a gray area as to like what his mission is. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. what is my, yeah. Like where, where is he going? Right. There's a, there's a lot of question marks at the end of, the end of this book. The, the epilogue story of uh, uh, Kipling and Twain, and like kind of, it kind of clears a little bit up, and then when you realize it's connected to Tommy's dad, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that helps a little bit, but mm-hmm. it still doesn't help me out with where Tommy's yeah, going. Yeah, like he finds the book that Kipling wrote. Yeah, right? so basically, like his confession, yeah, and like the revealing of this hidden literary. Um, his dad's uh, wearing some sweet clothes in that picture. Like, like we're not going to put the date. Of when this took place, but yeah, he's, right. Like he's rocking an ascot and some <laughs> sweet striped pants. <laughs> walked into the yes. party, right. He looks pretty rad. He looks rad yeah. in that section. Now, um, so Travis, I think you could pull off an ascot. I, I can pull off to. an ascot. I, I feel like I might have seen Travis in an ascot. Well, I got a whole point. ascot drawer. Have you, no, you, you dressed like what's his name it. from Scooby Doo? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I want to start a fancy basketball team where they wear like fake tuxedo shirts, and then their mascot is Ascot the mascot. Ascot the mascot. Yeah, like that. that's good. He's, he's thought about this. Yeah, yeah. I got a plan. He spent a little yeah. time. A little I see a little okay. seed money. <laughs> um, so, uh, Carrie, which brings me to the question of literary maps. If you could go into any literary world, what world would it be? Can't say Harry Potter. Ooh, Ooh I'm know. making that caveat right well, now. I feel like that was, was kind of obvious. Um, I am not sure. I mean, it's kind of along the same vein, but Lord of the Rings would be really fun. You know, Lord of the Rings is good. I would not want to run into an orc though. At least the way oh. that Peter Jackson portrays them, <laughs> they they freak me out, man. If you run into those those like those uh, the trolls, like the ones that you see a little sunlight, they turn to stone. That oh. wouldn't be too bad, right? Yeah, no, no, those are wait, freaky too. Yeah, the daytime. You just gotta wait them out. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's true. I like me some Gladriel. <laughs> I, I would I would risk. My life in that creepy spider forest. Actually, no, I wouldn't. I don't like spiders. Let's get back. Yeah. <laughs> no. Just to meet some Liv Tyler as, yeah, a, exactly. as an elf. No, that's Arwen. Come on now. I don't know. I don't know the names. Which one's that one? <sighs> that one's... The, Arwen is... Uh, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. Okay. Uh, and then... Um, what's her name? Always nominated for Kate, Oscars. Kate Blanchett? Kate Blanchett yes. plays really? uh, Gladriel. That's your... That's... I'm surprised at you, No, sir. she has a very motherly quality in the story, and that kind of turns me off for some reason. I'm surprised. I figured you'd be a, a live, you'd be a Liv Tyler person. Could, no, Empire Records Liv Tyler. The, the, well, the yeah. She's very, like, ethereal and yeah. very, yeah. They use, like, a soft lens on her, so she's very oh, washed out. Yeah. 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 Which is which is every actress's yeah. dream. They're like, we're going to use a soft glow filter there. Like, You'll oh, never great. see any yeah. imperfection in your skin. What about you, Josh? What world do you jump into? Uh, world out, this is a tough one, dude. This is a tough one. If I could jump If into, you say Dune, I'm going to kick you in the face. I'm not. <laughs> I was clearly, I was, I desperately was not going to say it because I didn't want that to happen. Uh, let's see. It's got to be some kind of fantasy thing, or else what's the I point? Know, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. Like, it's got to be it's too real. And or that's yeah. not like, fun. do you want to go on like a trip with somebody? Right? Like if you could hop into a little like fear and loathing action. Oh, right. Okay, and just I like see go what you're go on that road trip. Just get high. Right? You just want to get high, yeah. don't you, Josh? It'd be a different world, so it'd be okay. okay. You know, I, like I don't know. I don't. There's actually fear and loathing is terrifying. Right? Like, it's like my it worst nightmare. It's, it's, it's like, but I, th- I, you know, as a man who doesn't read a lot of literature, doesn't read a lot of yeah. literature. Everything I read is like pretty like. That's stupid fine. Sci-fi you know the qualifier stuff. answer. It's pretty stupid sci-fi stuff, but I don't know that I'd want to go into any like weird sci-fi stuff that I read. You know. Not the super weird stuff. Yeah. I think uh, I like Peter Pan. Peter Pan. I, I go to the Peter Pan world. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of different like little you, areas. You are Peter. Pan. I feel like there's a lot of different areas in Peter Pan. If I want to go hang out with the Indians, I can do Native Americans. I can go to hang I don't out think with them. Native Americans. I don't think they live in America. Oh, that's true. I think Aboriginals. They're straight up them, Indians. You just call them Aboriginals. Uh, well, they had that whole song in the actual movie version. It was like, who made the red man red? Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't cut that from any kind of special editions. Well, now you have to <laughs> show it because like. If you take it out now, then you're yeah, yeah. getting rid of something it's like original. Not, it's right. like not talking about someone's face birthmark. You're like, well, who's, I gotta mention it now. Who's a face birthmark? I wanna... Are you talking what? about face birthmarks? Are you talking about my mole? No, yeah, my, my giant mole. <laughs> my <laughs> nephew has a giant birthmark on his face, no. and I was like, huh, that's gonna be that's gonna be one of those things that's either gonna give you character as you grow older, or it's gonna be one of those things you're like, I wish I didn't have a birthmark People on my are face. Look at you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Aside, side note. Um, all right, so let's talk about the art. And I'm really okay. curious. Uh, one of my favorite things about comic exposure, getting someone who hasn't been exposed to comics on, is talking about the art and um, talking about their um, 
their process reading it? Because when you think, when you tell, when you give someone a comic book, you're like, oh, it's got pictures in it. So how was it reading this and with, what was your impression of the art as you went through this? I'll keep it open. Well, I don't know. Again, because I don't typically read a lot of it's comics. To talk about and it. So, yeah, so I can't really compare it to a lot, but, and it's also hard to separate it just from the dialogue, but I, I feel like I, what I would picture is, is very similar to what, you know, the, the art is. Right. You know what I mean? Like, as you're reading the stuff, I, that's how I would picture it, but I can't tell if I'm just, I picture it because I'm literally looking at it. Did you <laughs> so. find that, um, as far as going through it, um, did you spend a lot of time looking at the art or did you kind of gobble down the story? Um, there's, I mean, that's not a loaded question. I don't want to think that's a bad thing. Cause I, I do that. I, if he wasn't here, I, would, I don't really think I'd look at any of the pictures. But um, the idea that, um, like, how much of the art did you really ex- did you explore in your first time going through a comic book? Was it something that you would read the the bubble first and kind of take the picture at the same time, or did you read it and then try to examine the picture for further details, or yeah. you just kind of got lost in it? Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much how it went. Because I mean, I think my my first instinct is to just read what's happening mm-hmm. and then I would look at it, you know. Um, but when I went back and just like glanced through it, I was I was looking more at the pictures than actually at what they were saying. Right, you know? exactly. So. Yeah, I'm the same way. I go right to the word bubbles, yeah. and then if, some, if something happens in the word bubbles that interests me, I'm like, oh, let me see what this looks like, and then I'll kind of examine the picture. Yeah. Um. So that's good. Or there's just like a booby on the page. Then you'll you then I'll look at that. I look at that one. Thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So this is my favorite part where we get to talk. To Josh is our resident artist in in house. So I'm learning how to talk about comic book art through Josh. Uh. So Josh, what do you what do you what was your impression of the art on here? I think that uh. So Peter Gross does art on this. Him, he and Mike Carey did um. They did Lucifer before this. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, and Lucifer is now a show on Fox. Mm-hmm. I've heard like is bad. Is that what it's based on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've heard it's completely not anything like the comic it book. It looks like it's... Oh. No, like I, I read Lucifer. A, it's a, they it's turned a it into a procedural, right? They like turned it into like a an NBC procedural on Fox. It kind of looks like that. But Lucifer is your... Lucifer's like, my, this is my wacky partner, Lucifer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The devil is helping me unsolve yeah. this case. Yeah, they're like the tagline is like, "What? Why did you kill him?" And he's like, "The devil made me do it." And they're like, mm, "Wink." <laughs> um, I would say the art is serviceable. Mm-hmm. Is the the I think that there are some panels where I think Gross does a ton of work in the background. Um, there. There's just some parts where he spends a lot of time on stuff, and then there's other stuff. There's other stuff that just feels really rushed. You nailed it. I was right? going to say the same thing. I, I, out of the like, books that we've scenes... read in the show, I haven't seen something as inconsistent as yeah. this. And there's just scenes where I'm like, that person's face looks really weird in that panel. Right. And, and... Like, out, out, like not out of proportion because it is a little bit cartoony at some points. Uh, well, a lot of points. But um... Well, there's like a scene where he spends a really long time on Pullman's beard. And, right. like, the panel above it, the dude has no eyeballs. And so there, there's just things like that where I don't I, – the art – I don't Sometimes love, it looks like Steve Dillon, too. Like Steve yeah, Dillon's drawing yeah. it. I don't it, – it's very I – mean, you know what it is? It's vertigo art. There's, yeah. like, this real vertigo quality to it. And I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way. I think vertigo's changed a lot the way they do stuff now. But it just seems – part of it just seems – there's some scenes that seemed really rushed, and then there's some pages where we spent a lot of time on it. You know, the pages that I thought looked the best 
the epilogue were the epilogue pages and the pages where he spends time with, with the Tommy. Harry Potter. Yeah, Tommy. Like it's like he's, he's my trying to too. do a different style in that section to make it look different. And I thought I really like that. So the first couple pages, I was like, oh, okay, this is great. I really like that style. I dug it. And then it jumps into the story, and it's it's good. And then there were just some scenes. It seems like the middle couple issues seemed really rushed. And that's just the monthly comics will do that to an artist. But you know what I really loved? All the covers. Yeah, the covers are beautiful. The covers by, oh, what's his name? Uh, Yuko uh, Shimizu. Did, those are some fantastic. Those covers are all really, really creative, like ideas. Really rad. I really like the covers a lot. Uh, but I would say that, that, that Gross's art is serviceable. That that's the. It's not bad. It's not good. It's not great. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's comic book art. I think it's the same as Lucifer too. Like yeah, you know, like it's serviceable on that. But um, uh, I there are some scenes I really liked uh, as far as the art's concerned. And uh, here's a, here's what just, I would tell you today. Today, as like someone who buys monthly comic books. Had I grabbed issue one, I don't think I would have or, grabbed another issue because I was just like the art. The art. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's me personally. Like me, right. I'm a like eighty percent of why I'll buy a book is if it looks good, right? You know, and so I didn't hate it, but I I think the colors are an issue too. I, I think a couple times through there, but otherwise, you know, it served the story, and so it wasn't anything terrible. I've read some stuff that's you know where the art's a lot worse, but. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Should so we go to favorite? What do you think? What did you think of it overall? Yeah, I thought the, I thought the art was. I at first it, it was something I really liked. All the Tommy Taylor fictional scenes. I thought those were really done really well. Uh, some of the other scenes, I thought it was. It, it just kind of the art kind of fell flat. Um, and when we got to the castle, I really liked the the, the colorings in the castles, and I thought that really kind of captured the, the tone, the colorist mm-hmm. here. Um, so yeah, but nothing. I, I think you know when the art is good is when we spend we can't help but talk about it when talking yeah. about the story and I feel like you can you can talk about this story without really talking about the art as much. There are a couple pages and I guess I'll use that for my panel. So when we do that, well, that's what I'll let's talk do. About. Let's go to let's, let's go, go to this panel. panel and right. so we always pick a, a best panel. Uh, Josh, since we did the segue here, you go first. Okay, so there is one panel and I thought like this was the best part, the best kind of scene throughout the whole thing is there's uh, Tommy goes back to that manor right and he has a flashback of his of his dad and the very bottom of that um, the very bottom panel is his dad kind of with like his dad's beating the crap out of someone and you don't know why or like his, like some guy has the map and his dad's beating up this dude and I like the bottom panel is kind of an inset of Tommy with... I thought it was hilarious that his, his pajamas have like just letters all over them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just thought, like, that is probably the best face. That's like Southern Bastards. Right? It's like the best face in the entire book is this picture of his dad uh, when he's yelling at his son. He says, uh, your room, Tom. Go to your room. I said, go to your fucking room. And, like, like this moment as he's been, like, everybody idolizes his dad throughout this whole story. And then he, this panel, as you see the glimpse of his dad, is kind of a dick. Right, and you're like, well, that guy's not that nice. But I thought, from an art standpoint, I think that's the best that that uh, Gross does in the whole thing uh, is that picture of his dad, and just kind of the the juxtaposition of everybody through the whole book thinks Tommy's dad is like this great person, and you see whatever has pushed him to to beat the crap out of this guy. I thought that was a good panel. No, that's good. I like that one too. Carrie, did you, did you tell Carrie she had to pick one before she came? I on did. The show? No, you did not. Oh, I put it in the message. 
And I said, if you if you don't know what a panel is, ask your husband. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'm going to look in these messages because that did not happen. Oh yeah, you can look back. And while you're doing <laughs> that, I will tell you my favorite panel. Okay. I actually, my favorite panel was the um, the one where he says genre conventions. Mm-hmm. I just like the joke on that one. Um, but I will say that my second favorite panel is um, uh, the very beginning of the uh, the epilogue. Where um, uh, Kipling and Twain are sitting there having the conversation, it's all like it's all done in really great grays, um, and I'm just like I just like I just kind of geeked out of the fact that you get to see Kipling and, and Twain <laughs> discussing in a, a, a panel. That's a pretty sweet building in the background yeah. too. Like, I, like that's like one where he spends a lot of time on something in the background. Yeah, and even even he sp- it looks like he, even in that whole section, he, there's a Mark Twain looks good. He does a really good Twain. Yeah. He does a really good Twain. It's quality Twain. So, Carrie, in the 30 seconds that took, did you... Yeah, no, so... No. It was said. I lost <laughs> it. So, my bad. But... It's all right. Just, just give me a minute. Okay. You can do that. You can do that. You know, I, I think that um, one of the things I think that uh, is interesting about the story, especially when it comes to living in 2016, is that the the amount of stories that are produced on a day to day basis yeah. by everyone from professionals to amateurs is it's just so immense. I mean, we talk about TV. I can't watch enough good TV. Dude, like there's so, much so TV. and there's so and there's good stories yeah, so being told, and they're all different. Yeah, and so I, I can't imagine being a eight year old or like a ten year old. Or let's I go like a, like a sixteen year old where you can actually watch these shows. And just be like your head would be spinning from all these stories, all these themes, all these different tones, um, and they're really going to affect your life. These, yeah. When you watch something that has an impact on you, carry it with you. If you go to a good movie, you don't leave the theater and then forget about that movie. Sometimes it can be a week where it kind of affects you. And sometimes it can even affect your behavior. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to be a better person this week because I watched that movie. <laughs> or you know what? Like, I, I feel like this is uh, – and so I – I really love the the message in this book about that stories are powerful. I don't understand. I don't quite yet know where they're going with that or where they're going to take that message. Yeah. But I think it's something that we need to talk about more in the society. I, I not just celebrate it in the fact of like oh Oscars or like that was a really great movie or five stars or thirty percent of Rotten Tomatoes, but talk about the really what what the impact of that story is going to have on us uh, as, as viewers as consumers of stories. Yeah. And I I I. I I'm glad that we're having more stories and more storytellers out there, but I worry about the the amount well, you, of stories that are going out there you think and of, the quality of them. You think of like the idea of like you can look back and think of like the impact. I mean, I know this story takes Harry Potter, but the impact of a story or a collection of books like Harry Potter had on the world, right? The amount of kids who read a book who didn't read a book before until Harry Potter came out. Uh, the people who saw the movie and go, oh man, I'm going to go back and read a book as an adult who hadn't read a book and, you know, like adults who hadn't read in forever went back and read it. Um, just the amount of like creativity that I think something like that series sparked in people to go ahead and create something like this or to go ahead and create their own fictional story because they wanted to go play in the playground. You know what I mean? Like we could talk about fan fiction and the amount of people who are cranking out fan fiction on, on Harry Potter and anything else. I, I just think the amount of impact that a story has is important. I think that's, I think you're right. I think it's a good, I think it's like a, an interesting caveat that, that this, the unwritten is bringing out. And I'm, I want to know where it goes. And I, I think that that's something that makes me go, well, maybe I would read the second volume of this, you know, 11 volumes though. That's a, that's, that's a, a long, yeah. it's a long story. It's, like a it's a long story. Epic in itself. Yeah. 
All right, so did you find your panel, Carrie? I did. Okay. Okay, okay so uh, when Tommy goes to meet up with that older lady named Sue, which mm-hmm. it's unsure, like, it's yeah, yeah, the relation. Right. Like, I think, maybe I think the dad... she totally boned his dad. Oh, well, she, I mean, they, they actually say that. Oh, do they? So, yeah. Um, so I don't know if she's, you know, maybe the, the reason why the other, the, girl character in the comics is named Sue. I don't know. But Oh yeah, um, I didn't think about that. It's good. So when she's telling him to go down the stairs, um, because things aren't, you know, always as they seem, essentially, is kind of what she's saying. Um, and, you know, they're just they're talking about um, you know, finding out the truth and how important that really is because it's, you know, it's more um complicated than just yes or no it's not black and white kind of thing so he goes down the stairs and the scene where he goes down it's like he starts remembering the things from the comic book like a unicorn's voice comes in his head and he starts hearing that stuff but the the panel where he's actually going down the stairs where it's just kind of endless you know yeah, the yeah. staircase and it's it's kind of like a rabbit hole that he's he's going down at this it's the mc usher painting yeah or drawing yeah, yeah so i like that just because it's um you know it it gives you the idea that this this thing does not really end it keeps going you don't really know where it goes but um yeah reality know, like is the, what it the seems. shadows and stuff are kind of um indicative of that as well you know yeah it's the first time where we really see the undeniably uh, magic come into tommy's real world i mean because right. you can write off that that whole attack Mm-hmm. But as just some crazy fan, if you mm-hmm. wanted to, but this is undeniable. Like there is like some weird stare shit happening in this mm-hmm. in this uh, panel. That's a good one. I I just like that that he, like there's so many things in this like pulling from uh, from Harry Potter that like he talks to a unicorn. Like it, like it took like a Harry Potter <laughs> idea and then like what if we make it even more ridiculous? Right? Like instead of centaurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Full on Uni- unicorn. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. funny. Like, he's talking yeah. to the unicorn. He's and like, a flying cat. Like, oh, yeah. let's make a. Yeah. That would be nice. Well, uh, well, I'm, I'm guessing that um, the flying yeah. cat, Mingus, <laughs> which, which is a great name, name for a flying yeah. cat. Uh, yeah. My uh, my son has a uh, cabbage patch doll, and the cabbage patch doll's name is Mingus. Oh. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Good name. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I personally, I want to pick up the next trade i don't know when that's going to happen i feel like there's so many trades that i want to read uh but um, this is like you go and you get them and that's a that's that's your summer right yeah, you yeah, get like I'm gonna, I'm gonna read through this yeah know? i don't think i would want to buy one one at a time because then I, I would lose my momentum i would just yeah. want to buy like the next five and then yeah. just consume them all and kind right of through it there mm-hmm. next uh, time i see the unwritten sale on like uh comiXology or something like that yeah, like you a, let me know when there's a when there's a vertigo sale i'm gonna get them for you dude oh nice I think that it was. I was kind of surprised that you weren't more gung ho about it, just because you do love, you know, classic literature, and there's I, yeah. so many references to it. You no, know? it it was it was great, and and when I read it, I was I was reading the end part. Uh, it was before I went to sleep, and I was just like, I went to sleep, and I was like, this is good. I'm glad. I, I'm just happy that there's this out there in this form, and there's so there's when I saw that map of all the literary geography, mm-hmm. I go, this is awesome because I love going to places and. It, you know, visiting authors' graves or like mm-hmm. seeing like, oh, uh, this is where Ernest Hemingway used to drink his Singapore slings and write his novel. You're like, oh my god, this is it's crazy. This building still exists. So I love the fact that not only is it about literary geography, but it looks like the literature could come to life in some ways are, in there. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like the small stuff, and it actually it encouraged me because I mean I've read a lot of those books, but it's been a long time, and yeah. you know, 
your memory doesn't always serve you so well. But right. I remembered some of the stuff. And, like, I actually I looked some of it up to remember, like, what it was about. And one of the first references was um, uh, was George Orwell's uh, 1984. 1984. Yeah, like, one of the buildings in London or something. Right, yeah. Happened or whatever. So, and that theme, because it was it was one of the first references, like, that whole theme about, you know, whatever it was, like, Big, Big Brother. Brother. Yeah. yeah you know essentially controlling what what the the people feel and what they believe it's kind of like a huge theme especially at the end it's like oh i kind of get it it's a callback to you know yeah to this unnamed big brother you know that we don't even know is happening because it's under the guise of all of these classic novels that we've all been brought up with. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. And Mike Carey's not wasting any space. Yeah. Every reference he puts in there, it's, it's a like reason. a clue. It's yeah. a clue, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Uh, like, I didn't even think about the Susan being the character of, I know it's not literary reference, but there's there's, there's so many layers to this. Yeah. And you, I do like the sense that I feel like I'm in a mystery, mm-hmm. that, that I'm going through this story with Tommy. So I'm excited to see where that's going to go. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you would pick up a second volume to? So, yeah, I actually um, bought the second oh, volume nice. on Amazon. Yes. I did. We did it, Josh! We got one! <laughs> I feel like Andy Potts and Ghostbusters. We got one! <laughs> well, you did. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually, I'm really glad that you gave me a reason to pick it yeah, up. Because yeah. I did. I liked it a lot. Cool. Excellent. So, I th- thank you so much for being our first guest in 2016. Uh, we have a, we have a good lineup of books coming up. Josh, yeah. why don't you tell them about it? Uh, we got a couple books coming up. The next book we're doing is My Friend Dahmer, which is uh, one complete story, something we do every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Where we do like a whole graphic novel, and so uh, My Friend Dahmer is by Durf McDurf. Yep, <laughs> I'm, I am That's about three fourths the way through it. Read this book; it's going to be an interesting discussion. Yeah, I I, uh, I just finished it yesterday as my daughter had golf. I was sitting on the golf course reading about serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. So this just a quick one, just just <laughs> to, creepy, just but... to get people into this. This was written by a guy that Jeffrey went to high school with. Yeah, like so, like a high school friend of him went back and wrote this story afterwards, and and I guess it was a bunch of like mini things, and then he decided I'm going to make a real book, real about thing it. about it. So uh, this so, is someone who went to school with Jeffrey Dahmer and is giving you firsthand information. Yeah, so I, that one's good. My friend Freddie's coming on to do that one. Freddie's kind of a big geek, so I'm I'm excited to have Freddie. My friend Freddie. My friend Freddie. Uh, so Freddie's coming on to do that, and then after that, we're doing Spider Man Blue, mm-hmm. uh, which is this Marvel did this run of books where they did like Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, Spider Man Blue. Uh, and, and a whole bunch of like kind of stories in that. So we're gonna do that one. Who's the guest for that one, Travis? Uh, you know, it's still to be determined. T-, T yeah, TBD. Yeah, TBD for our guest for that one. Uh, and then to finish up this round of four books, we're doing Chrononauts uh, with my buddy back in Michigan. It's gonna be our first skyped in podcast. So uh, Norman Storm and Norman is gonna come on and do the excellent, show with us. Excellent. Uh, so that wraps our books uh, for the January and February. We took a little hiatus, and so this will probably might push us into the beginning of March to get through those books. Right. And then we're gonna pick the next round. We'll let you guys know what they are. Remember, you can find Comic Exposure on the interwebs www.comicexposure.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. Uh, and occasionally we're on the Instagram, Comic Exposure right. on Instagram as and well. And we're also doing a thing now where we're on Spotify. We make, yeah. play, we make playlists for each of the trades we read. So you can see our Why the Last Man playlist. You can go on just type in the unwritten and listen to our unwritten playlist. Josh uh, is going to have his Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, Jeffrey one, Dahmer one, one. This week, so you'll be able to listen to that one and listen to my friend Dahmer playlist. It's going to have some quality... Quality murder I'm tunes. I'm terrified there. to Quality think about. Murder I think there's gonna be a lot of misfits. I hadn't thought about that, oh. but now there is going to be a myth. There okay. would definitely be a misfit yeah. song on it. 
Uh, but yeah, so thanks for tuning in, Carrie. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, we appreciate it. Thank you for picking up the next volume. We did our we did our job. Yeah, did our you're job. welcome, Mike. Carrie, <laughs> right? money in your pocket. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll see you uh, next trade. <laughs>